Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. There are 10 churches throughout the city that are at this moment today preaching on the same theme. They're not preaching the same message, all right, the same content, content, might not even be talking from the same scripture, but the theme is the same. That theme is joy in the city, all right? And um, we're going to show you a video in just a moment. And um, for about a year now, there have been pastors and leaders who meet on Sunday mornings at 6.30 who pray for the city, pray for churches, pray for each other. And and that's a good thing, all right? Um, There has been a, you know what God does is God has a tendency to take layer upon layer, amen? Now, what we have a tendency to do is whenever something happens in our realm for the first time, we think it's a new thing. But how many know God is the God who builds layer upon layer upon layer upon layer? And so God has been doing this incredible, really cool thing in our city where friendships have blossomed and friendships have been made between pastors and churches. And, um, you know, I've been friends with John Collins and Tim McGarvey for years and uh, just love those guys. Um, we recently had a prayer breakfast that brought people together from businesses, churches, and individual sectors. The theme of that event was called Join the City. And, and so out of that and all the meetings that have, there was this idea, let's do a May, month of May sermon series that will lead up to June 2nd having a combined worship service Sunday evening, June 2nd, at the Mr. Theater. And uh, that's going to be a great time. I hope you put it on your calendar, and I hope you're there because we want some good representation. We want to fill that place. And and how many know we want to just lift up the name of Jesus in that theater? And um, so, um, so today's theme is joy in the city. But before I go any farther, I'm going to show you a clip from Troy, who has birthed Joy in the City TV, Joy in the City Television, whatever you want to call it, productions. I want to show you a video that he put together before I go any further. Troy. And we started thinking about what if we had like a unity service, a unity gathering um, uh, that we could all begin to to work towards uh, being together. And and, uh, and he said, you know, we all ought to start praying together. I said, I think that'd be a great idea. Um, And we thought, well, let's let's start praying together on Sunday mornings. and whoever comes, comes. That first week, there were a lot of people that were like, Sunday morning, uh, that seems like uh, a rough time to do it before we're gonna preach. Um, but then we had seven people show up to participate that first week. You know, the, uh, from the very beginning for me, uh, you know, because of my, my passion at First Church, you know, we have a lot of stuff going on on Saturday mor- on Sunday morning. And I'm always, a, I always get to the church really, really early. And to be honest with you, from the very beginning, the time frame of it was really uh, difficult for me. Uh, it kind of got me out of a routine. And um, it, was, uh, it was a little bit hard at the very beginning, but I, I agreed that Sunday morning was the best time uh, to meet. So I, I made the commitment that I was going to, uh, that I was going to be there and uh, it didn't take but a week or two to, uh, uh, to realize that that was the best place to be on, on Sunday morning at 6.30. And the way that it has gone over the past year is astounding to me that there are so many people who are a part of it now. Um, in the beginning, there were just a few of us. Um, and now it's so many churches who are represented. So many people from my church have come um, and really appreciate the fact that we're not in competition 
and that we can love people who go to a different church and encourage them um, because we're all on the same team. I knew that there was a uh, need for revival in our, in our city and I wanted to get together with other pastors and just to start praying for revival to take place and just come together as a community. That way we could be represent one church of Altoona versus all the different little churches. That way we could come together as one whole body. Because it was a tremendous idea for us to get together to pray, not just for our community and our area, but a tremendous idea to create unity that we would see the cause of Christ go forward. The thing that has excited me the most is to watch the unity begin to take place within the churches and to uh, really see the churches coming together as a team uh, to reach our city, to see the competition uh, kind of disappear. Um, I just thought it was very important that pastors, and very special that pastors get together and pray um, on the busiest day of our weeks, I'm sure, and um, I know it's impacted me because, you know, there is power in prayer, but there's something special when pastors come together in unity um, and pray for our community and other churches, and it just shows that those denominational barriers are breaking down in our community. 6.30 is kind of early for me, but I do enjoy getting together with colleagues because I do believe that when we pray together, we are certainly better together. I felt that when Jesus prayed in John 17 that all his followers would be one, that this is what the fruit of that prayer and many prayers for unity uh, and being one in Jesus Christ, this is what the fruit of that looks like. It's been a great um, time of fellowship, of connection, and uh, the Spirit leading uh, each and every Sunday morning. I feel very blessed each time I, I'm able to attend. In the year that we have been praying, I have seen um, unity among the pastors. Uh, I have also have witnessed that spilling out over into the churches to see a, uh, a willingness to work together, a willingness to accomplish, uh, accomplish things for the kingdom that I haven't witnessed in the 21 years that I've been in Altoona. Uh, it has been so encouraging uh, to see, uh, in many ways, uh, things that are happening in Altoona done by the church in Altoona, not the churches in Altoona. Amen. Doesn't Troy do a great job producing stuff? He's done such a great job that he told me if I don't stay in the light today, he's going to fire me. I can't leave the light now, Troy. Look. Something my wife always wanted. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for what you do. Thank you that you're always moving. Thank you that you're always working. Thank you that we don't have to get you to move, but rather we move with you. And so, Father, this morning, we celebrate what's going on in our city. We celebrate what's been going on in our city. And, Father, we ask you to expand it and continue to help us be a part of building upon what you've been doing and the foundations that you lay and that we are one of the builders. We're not the only builders. And so, Father, today, would you take your word? Would you bless it? Father, we pray for Loretta right now. That, Lord, that you would touch her in a, uh, in a special way, in a supernatural way, whatever's going on in her body, that you would just minister to her the healing grace in Jesus' name. Amen. So grab your Bible. Go to Acts chapter 8. Join the city, all right? You know, that um, 
Oh, man, hey, Peter, I need a favor, man. I'm locked. I'm, I'm tied to the pulpit, man. I, I need my clicker. And I'll forgive you for all those things you said about me in school. Join the city. You know, it's a great theme. It comes from Acts chapter 8, verse 8. It talks about Philip going to Samaria. He ministered kingdom principles to city issues, and there was great joy in the city. That theme is certainly nothing new to us. Let me show you something. We can go back to 2001, 2002, roughly in our church, and we did a little document, a little pamphlet back then when we changed our mission statement. And we, um, what happened was I spent two days at home praying. And I asked God some questions. I said, number one, who are we as a church? Who is Pleasant Valley Assembly of God? And after praying, I felt that the Lord said, you're a city church. There's all kinds of churches, city churches, rural churches, you know, all that. And you're a city church. For at that time, 90 years, there had been a church on that corner down there. It wasn't always an Assemblies of God church. It was 8th Street Union Sunday School. Then it became another church. Then it became Pleasant Valley Full Gospel Assembly of God. And on and on. Then it changed to Pleasant Valley Assembly of God. And so I began to pray, and God said, you're a city church. I said, okay. If that's who we are, what do we do? And again, I began to pray, and I began to search the Scriptures. And uh, I came across Acts chapter 8, verse 1 where it goes through the Philip going to Samaria, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, ministering, casting out demons. And the Bible says, so there was great joy in the city. And it hit me. That's it. We as a church, as a people, are to minister kingdom principles to city issues that produce great joy. I firmly believe that for every city issue, there is a kingdom of God principle that offsets that. Anybody believe that with me? All right. And so what I did was I actually spent a great bit of time taking the city apart by census track, looking at all the different needs in the city. And then we began a document called Framework for Ministry that would take a city issue in one column. For example, at that time, 13% of the, the city was under the poverty level. But in the lower Fairview neighborhood where we began to work, it was 24% of the families. All right? And so what's the scriptural principle? Well, the scriptural principle is what Isaiah says, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, give shelter to the wanderer, and so forth. And so we began to put that into operation through a number of the things that we do, resulting in joy in the city. Um, And so that has been a framework of ours for years. It's been a goal of ours for years. Even when we changed to Transformation Church and incorporated in that, are the four things we do to bring joy to our city or transform our city, which are? (laughs) Which are we bless the city, we love the city, we invest in the city, and we serve the city. Amen? And I believe with all of my heart that those things minister to the city and will bring change and transformation into a city. Now, let me set this up for you a little bit this morning, if I may. All right? I want to say this first of all. I believe that God's plan for every city is joy. Because God's plan for every person is joy. I mean, God wants you to have joy. I mean, he wants your home to have joy. How many are you breathing this morning? How many of you have blood flowing through your body this morning? How many of you need coffee? Me too. Joy, joy. God, God wants you to have joy. How do I know God wants you to have joy? Hello? 
Part of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy. All right? So he wants you to have joy. Some of you could use some this morning. It would actually cause some of you to smile. Fake it. Come on, fake it till you make it. Everybody go. Some of you still ain't playing. All right, I'm sorry. Listen, God's plan for every city is joy because God's plan for every person is joy. But the fact of the matter is God's plan for every city doesn't happen because God's plan for every person doesn't happen. Amen? If you think God's plan happens for every, if you think God's plan always happens, you are sadly mistaken. You read the scriptures. Read the Bible, all right? And the reason that it doesn't happen for every person is because God's plan for every person doesn't happen because a person can reject God's plan. How many know I can say no right now to following God? How many know I can unattach this, detach this, and I can walk off this platform, I can walk out right now and say, no, God, I'm done. I'm not being there anymore. Amen? I don't have to follow God's plan, but what I do know is in God's plan is joy. Part of God's plan is joy. There is joy in God's plan, all right? Now, let's think about this for a moment. So I want to take you on a little bit of a journey, and now listen to me. That four minute and 30 second video you just watched does not count against my sermon time. Okay, we're taking that out and we're setting it over here, all right? I don't want to hear how long-winded I was because Troy added five minutes to my message. Yes, I'm rounding up. All right, how many know if something costs $29.99 and you're telling your wife what it was, it was 29 Okay, <laughs> all right, <laughs> okay, all right. So let's take a look at this. I want to take you to the first scripture I want to take you to is Acts chapter 8. Um, I've got um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, but you, he's talking to the apostles, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? Um, you comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So God had a plan. Part of his plan was that these apostles... And the church, all right, I mean, it wasn't just reserved for the apostles, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, who would then empower them so that they would take what they had to the cities of Jerusalem, the region of Judea, the region of Samaria, and it would go to the uttermost ends of the earth. That was God's plan. How many know it's still God's plan? Amen? So it's still God's plan that he wants to use the Holy Spirit that you and I and his church will become these incredible witnesses for him that would go to places, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, share the gospel of the kingdom, and it would bring joy to the region, to the city, and to individuals. Now, so that's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But let me show you this scripture. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day... All right, a persecution, great persecution, broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Let me stop there. How many of you know today that there is still a great persecution against the church? Ladies and gentlemen, there are people being killed all over the world in the name of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for the church. We need to support the church. There was just last week, there was a, a pastor, and I believe it was six, five or six in Burkina Faso that were taken out of the church, shot, killed. Uh, prior to that was the thing in, um, it just escaped me. Yeah, Sri Lanka. So you, if you look up and you do the statistics and you look at them, 
Christianity is the number one persecuted religion in the world. People are dying across the world. Amen? And so persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles, interesting, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. All right? So here they were. This persecution broke out. The church was growing. 3,000 people were saved. There were seven people added to the deacon leadership in Acts chapter 6, if you will. All right? And one of those was a man named Philip, who we'll get to in just a moment. But let me show you what those who were being persecuted and those who were being scattered did while they were being persecuted and while they were scattered. All right? Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Come on. How about it? Uh, These people are dying. They're being killed. They're being persecuted. Saul is terrorizing the church. And everywhere they go and everywhere they get scattered, what? They're preaching the word. You got to wonder. You got to wonder, would they have left Jerusalem if they weren't persecuted? But we'll never know that, will we? We know they were persecuted, and we know what the Bible says, that they preached the word wherever they went. Now, let's take a look at Acts chapter 8. Verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. Let me stop for a moment. This was not Philip the Apostle. This was Philip the evangelist, they called him. He's mentioned in Acts chapter 21, verse 8. And the Bible, um, this is also one of the, we call them deacons in Acts chapter 6, that was said whenever the Grecian Jews' widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food. The apostles said, let us find seven men, let us find men who are full of the Holy Spirit, and let us turn this responsibility over to them. It's it's interesting. They were waiting on tables serving bread, but they had to be full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, And so they did that. And this is the man that ended up in Samaria, a city in Samaria. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. There it goes, here it goes, love this verse. So there was great joy in the city. So there was great joy in the city. How many know a city in and of itself can't possess anything? A city is an organization. A city is an incorporation, if you will. All right? But the people of the city had great joy. Let's talk about this for a few moments. I think there are some principles that we can learn from Philip that we as believers today can understand how we are conduits of God's joy. How many know we are not the source of joy? Aren't you glad you're not the source of joy? Aren't you glad you're not the source of joy for your husband? Y'all laughing. I'm serious. Aren't you glad you're not the source of joy for your wife? I had one man in this house say yes. One. The rest of you egotistical, narcissistic men think you are the source of their joy. <laughs> you're just not that special. <laughs> All right? The fact is, you can't be the source of anyone's joy. You can be part of what somebody gives you to another person. But if you, and listen to me, and if you are expecting somebody to be the source of your joy, they will disappoint you. You will not have joy. If you expect your children to be the source of your joy, how many know that will cause you angst? Now, grandchildren, they just might. They, they're, they're close, okay? Right? But the fact of the matter is today, there's only one source of joy, and it's God. And you and I, ladies and gentlemen, 
are conduits by which he wants to bring joy to people. How many of you can be a conduit of that joy? That you can be something that, that flows through. All right? And so I want to show you a couple of principles. I don't think I'll be real long today, probably like an hour or two. And, um, but remember, those four minutes and 30 seconds are not mine. I mean, those six minutes are not mine. We're evangelistically keep adding to it. How many was in church service today? 400. <laughs> and then you talk to them. How many was in church service? Uh, uh, 450. What'd you shoot yesterday? Six under. Let me ask you another day. What'd you shoot? Uh, uh, I shot six, uh, seven under. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll be good. All right, let's talk about this. So the Bible says there's some principles that were applied. And there are principles we can ignore. First of all, it says what? That those who were scattered, which is Philip was one of those who were scattered, preached the word wherever they went. The fact of the matter is joy in the city comes from preaching the word of God. You cannot have the word of God and not have joy. All right, the fact of the matter is joy comes from the word of God. Joy comes from the preaching. Listen to me for a moment. I want to say this to you. If it doesn't contain, but, but if it, uh, no, I'll get to this in a moment. I was going to get, jump ahead of myself. No, let me go there. The fact of the matter is everywhere where God's message is preached and received, there is joy in that place. The fact of the matter is what we need today in our city is we don't need people with a political message. We don't need people with any other message. We need people with one thing, and that is preaching the word of God. Because the word of God changes lives. The word of God changes hearts. The word of God takes root in here and changes this guy from the inside out. You know what the, the, the Bible tells me? That his word is like medicine to my soul. Medicine to me. How many of you take medicine to get well? You want to get well? Get into the word of God. You want to stay sick? Get out of the word of God. Stay out of the Word of God. Get into the Word of God, and it's amazing how it will pr produce joy. It is amazing how it will change your countenance. It is amazing how the Word of God will produce something that you can't produce or no man can produce or no woman can produce, no amount of money can produce, but the joy that comes from the Word of God. Let me, let me, let me tell you today. If you don't have joy, get out the Word. They preached the Word. Philip preached the Word in that city. The word of God written in your heart will produce joy. I mean, we live in that age where Jesus, where, where, we live in the age that God said, I will write my laws on their heart and their mind. You see, when I get into the, how many of you remember the It Is Written series? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I don't remember what I preached last week. I don't expect you to remember everything, right? But we did the It Is Written and it is written, but where is it written today? It's not just on the pages. Yes, we need to read the pages, but we read the pages so that it becomes written in our heart and written in our mind. And it becomes on our heart and becomes on our mind. How many know joy becomes a byproduct of what's in there? And so this morning, the word of God is written on your heart, produces joy. But here's another thing, all right? Let me show you this verse. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he began proclaiming Christ to them. Huh. Joy in the city came from exalting the Son of God. Let me say this to you this morning. The Bible says he proclaimed the Christ. He preached the Christ. If it does not contain Jesus, it is not preaching. Some of you are like, well, wait a minute. I heard lots of, if it does not contain Jesus, it is not preaching. It might be a good talk. It might be a good speech. It might be a good lecture. It might be a nice self-help tutorial, whatever you want to call it. But without Jesus, it's not preaching 
Because preaching is a proclamation of Jesus Christ. And the greatest need I have in my life is Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of times what happens is there's a lot of messages that are being preached, but they're messages that are being preached void of Jesus. We can, listen, Jesus said what? What did Jesus say? We want joy in our city, right? Amen? All right, how many of you want to see joy all over the city in hearts and lives of people? How do we get that? By lifting up Jesus, because Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We got it, man. We cannot get away from the message of Jesus Christ. I, I tell you this, as God is my witness, as Peter is my witness, as many of you, when we, we've done tour after tour after tour with people who come into the right place for kids, people who are well-to-do, people who are important political figures, people, all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life. And I will tell you this, we've never, not once, not said this was about Jesus Christ. Never, not once. Okay? And that's not, that's, not to, that's not to tout us. That is to lift up Jesus. Everything that I am and all that I am and anything I could possibly have ever been or be is because of Jesus Christ. It's because I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It's because I decided to follow him. Okay? And we lift him up and we will always lift him up. And if that is not what we do in this city, there will never be true joy that comes from God. We must lift up Jesus. Philip went to that city and he proclaimed to Christ. Let me show you another one. The crowds with one accord were given, giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. How many of you know, this is, what, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that God confirms the preaching of his word with signs and wonders. That's what the Bible says. So Philip goes to Samaria, a city in Samaria. He preaches the word. He lifts up the Son of God. And, Jesus, and God then looks and says, that's a message I can confirm. I would suggest to you that sometimes the reason we don't see the miracles of God is because sometimes we're missing the message of God. A message that he can confirm. The Bible says in uh, one of Paul's journeys, and I can't remember the place he was at that moment, that the Bible says he preached the gospel and God confirmed the preaching of the gospel with signs and wonders. Listen to me this morning. How many of you believe that signs and wonders are still part of God's plan? How many believe he still does signs and wonders? How many believe he still heals the sick? Amen? How many still, I believe he still opens up blind eyes, deaf ears? Come on. Man, we can't stop believing that. We can't stop believing it. We can't stop preaching it. And oh, help us, Lord, to be a conduit through whom it happens. Because, man, you can argue all you want. I, I use this story a lot. I, Dahlia Knox, you've heard me talk about her. The lady from Buffalo, New York, who was in a wheelchair for 20-some years. Hit by, I believe it was a, a drunk driver, hit by her in a wheelchair for 20-some years. Ends up a few years ago at the Bay of Holy Spirit Revival in Alabama. Mightily touched of God. And today walks, sings, and stands in stilettos when she does it. Why? Because the power of Jesus Christ still heals. You can argue if you want a lot of things. You can take the Bible and you can do a lot of arguing over the word. But how many of you know when somebody's standing before you who's been in a wheelchair for 20-some years, that's now standing before you, it's hard to argue that. How many of you think God might still want to do some miracles? How, how many of you think he might want to do some of them through you? 
Philip was a man full of the Holy Spirit who at one time in his life was serving bread to widows who gets scattered under persecution and affliction and trial and tribulation and rather than get ticked off and rather than get angry with God, wherever he found himself, I'm going to preach Christ and I'm going to do the miraculous. Come on. How many of you think maybe we can learn a little bit from Philip this morning? And it brought joy to the city. See, because the joy in the city came from manifesting the power of God. God wants to manifest his power. God desires to manifest his power. Do you believe that? He wants to. He desires to. And when Philip became a vessel through whom God could work, that's what happened, and it brought joy. Watch this verse. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, what? We're adding another wrinkle in here. And the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized men and women alike. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. John the Baptist preached the kingdom of God. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. Jesus told his apostles to go preach the kingdom of God. When he appeared to the apostle for 40 days in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says he taught them about the kingdom of God. How many of you think the kingdom of God might be an important message? Problem is it has become a lost message in many places or it's become a distorted message. The fact of the matter is the kingdom of God is still the message. Listen to me. I, I say this, and I know it wrinkles brows, and it causes angst in some hearts. It's okay. God still loves you. He still loves me. It was never the good news of Calvary. It was the good news of the kingdom of God. It was the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. The apostles preached the good news of the kingdom of God. You say, but what's Calvary? Calvary is the place where Jesus paid for my sins, where I could be forgiven and I could enter through into the kingdom of God that Jesus preached about. I could not enter that kingdom without Calvary. But to, you, you can't preach, listen to me, you can't preach one without the other. Literally, you can't preach the kingdom without Jesus and you can't preach Jesus without the kingdom. All right, and I'm going to change the way you eat forever. <laughs> Gary Miller just went. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to get a weird quote for you. You ready? Well, actually, let me tell you this first. Joy in the city came from preaching the kingdom of God. But watch this. Okay, this is my weird way of thinking. Preaching Jesus without the kingdom of God or the kingdom without Jesus is like peanut butter and jelly without the peanut butter. It's just jelly bread. It's good, but it's incomplete. You will never eat peanut butter and jelly the same. Pastor Henry Becker going, he is such a weird person. Listen, I, I, it's my analogy for the morning. You can have peanut butter bread, a peanut butter sandwich. You can have jelly bread. But you cannot have peanut butter and jelly without one or the other. And you cannot preach the kingdom and you cannot preach Jesus without either one. You cannot preach the kingdom without Jesus and you can't preach Jesus without the kingdom. You just can't do it. Stop doing it. Stop trying to do it. At that, that's like that stupid argument every Easter. When is, the is the resurrection more important than the cross? Is the cross more important than the resurrection? And people start arguing over that. It's so idiotic. Stop the nonsense. Exactly. They're one and the same message. Oh, okay. I feel so much better now. So now here's the deal. When you... 
<laughs> when you eat peanut butter and jelly, I want you to think about the kingdom in Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus in the kingdom. And by the way, Jif is the best. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jif is the best peanut butter. Okay. <laughs> Unless you get that stuff that the food Nazis like. All natural. I have some of that. It's called Crazy Richard's. <laughs> Crazy Richard's peanut butter. All right? There's no sugar in it. It's terrible. No. Listen. The kingdom of God is the greatest message Jesus preached. And the kingdom, because listen to me, the, the kingdom, the Bible says, is where? Inside of me. You see, so, so Philip goes down to this city in Samaria, and he, and, and he applies principles. He preaches the word. He lifts up Jesus Christ. Power of God is manifested through him. And he preaches the kingdom in the name of Jesus. And there's great joy in the city. But I want to show you a couple things. Because see what happens is, how many know what happens is the temptation on the hearts of people is we begin sometimes to somehow, not really meaning to, but sometimes we sound like we're taking some of the credit for what God is doing. Like, like okay? Okay, let me show you a couple things. Here's a couple principles. So, so there's this work going on in Samaria. Who's doing this work? Philip? Yes. But who's really doing this work? God. God. You see, joy in the city is not a human production. It is a human reaction to a God production. You see, joy comes from my God healed the sick. My God raised the dead. My God cast out sin. My God had a plan for Samaria. My God sent his Holy Spirit to empower me. My God had a dream for that city. My God had a dream for How many know it's always about what God is doing? All right? I, I, I don't, listen to me this morning. You don't and I don't have to dream things up for God. How many know God already has a dream he wants to download into your heart? Okay, he, he already has it. Now listen for a moment. Because so, what you got to understand, this is what you have to understand. God is always moving. God's always moving. I am not, listen. I don't have to beg my God to move who already wants to move. What, okay? I have a tendency to get on a little bit of a tangent with this. <laughs> I, I, did, I did send a, I, I, I admit I did, I, I did send a, picture one day to a friend of mine and uh, you know we say God is moving so I sent a U-Haul truck to him <laughs> that said God is moving <laughs> you see I understand the statement I understand what we mean but the fact of the matter is God's always moving join the city is not a result of God beginning to move it is a result of men moving with God I'm not it just is it just is what was happening in Acts chapter 8 is what God wanted to happen in Acts chapter 1. And I'm not saying he persecuted the church, and I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, though, he said, I'm going to put my spirit on you. And the reason I'm going to put my spirit on you is so that wherever you go, whether it is in Judea or Jerusalem or Samaria or the outermost ends of the earth, you'll be my witnesses. And because Philip was his witness, empowered by the Holy Spirit, joy came to the city. And this was God's idea, not Philip's idea. And he was moving with God. God is calling us to move with him. Amen? 
God gives this plan. You know, it's interesting. Do you know for Philip to go to Samaria? First of all, how many know he had to be really scared of dying to go to Samaria? He was Jewish. They don't go to Samaria. They hate the Jews. They're prejudiced against the Jews. Isn't it funny that when the Holy Spirit took him over his prejudices, he could be a conduit through whom its joy came to a city? Which, interestingly enough, might beg me to ask this question. What prejudices does God want to overcome in your life that you might be a conduit of joy to the city? Maybe he has to deal with that racism that's in your heart. Maybe he has to deal with that classism that's in your heart. Maybe he has to do with that sexism. Maybe he has to deal with that political spirit. Maybe he has to deal with, I don't know, you fill in the blank. What prejudice could he be working to overcome in you so that you will become his conduit of joy? So Philip goes to Samaria under the power of the Holy Spirit and ministers joy to a people he'd been taught to hate. Oh, man, I could just take a lot. I could take like a next hour and preach on that. Say, please don't. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't hear anybody say that. You're all thinking it. God's always moving. Enjoying the city is a result of us moving with him. The question isn't, is God moving? The question is, are we moving with him? We've always said, remember years ago, when we started on 11th Street, when we started that project, remember what we used to say? This isn't our idea, it was God's idea. It's not our idea. Remember John, Pastor, we, that's what we talked about. This isn't our idea. This is God's idea. We're joining him in what he's doing. We've said that in right tours. We've said that over there. This isn't our idea. We're trying to the best of our ability to get the heartbeat of God so we can move with him. I am so glad I don't have to. Where are you going, Rusty? Everybody wave to Rusty. He's leaving early. <laughs> you can only do that to people you really love. Bye, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching on TV, be afraid. Be very afraid. Join the city. The question isn't, is God moving? The question is, are we moving with him? If the book of Acts shows us anything, it shows us the history of men and women who moved with God. People who, but not Shows us people, how, what did I write? The book of Acts shows us the history of men and women who moved with God, not people who got God to move. Man, can, we got, can somebody put a knot on the screen? It wasn't about them getting God to move. God wanted to move. God was moving. Why do you think he baptized them in the Holy Spirit? Why do you think he empowered them? Because he was wanting them to move with him. It's in him we live and move and have our being. Remember? But here's the question. You see, because joy in the city comes from joy in the hearts. The city is an inanimate object made up of people, right? It's a corporation, whatever you want to say. It's got, it's got geographical boundaries and designations. But it's made up of people. It's people that make up a city. Just as much as the people makes up a church. How many know if a church has joy, the people have joy? Church can't have joy without people having joy. Right? And so now you've got this city in Samaria whose hearts are being filled with joy because of what God is doing in their lives. 
So the question that I want to transition to is this. How's your joy? How's your joy? You see, we talk about the city, and we talked about how the joy came to the city through Philip. But what about your joy level? Do you have joy? Yes? Why do you have joy? No? Why not? You only have joy when things are good? I was teasing somebody the other day. I won't mention any names. Right? They sent me a a testimony. They said, God is so good. And they told me what happened. And then I said, well, what if the opposite would have happened? Is he still good? Amen. He is, right? You see, I want to tell you a couple things. See, we, we have to transition us to us individually for a moment this morning. And, and we want joy in the city. But if we want joy in the city, it's got to come through us. It's got to come through you who have joy, who conduits of joy. And so I begin to think about this. Well, the same recipe for joy in the city is the recipe for joy in your heart. Right? For example, the Word of God, I've already said about this, produces joy in your life. If you don't have joy, I'm going to bet and I'm going to guess and I'm going to just wager that you've not really been in the Word a whole lot. Not being mean, not being critical, but you cannot read the Word and walk away the same. You cannot read the Word and have long-lasting lack of joy. The Word of God is like medicine. The word of God is life. The word of God is joy. Jesus says what? If you, if, if you, if that my commands bring fullness of joy. My commands bring you joy. And my joy is complete in you. You got you to get into the word. The exaltation and lifting up of Jesus in your life brings joy. Come on. How many of you have joy Talking about your kids. Depends on what day, right? <laughs> How many of you have joy? Okay, because I always got to transition to this. How many of you have joy talking about your grandkids? It's amazing how many more hands up. Rick's got two hands up. He didn't put any hands up. <laughs> Kelly, he didn't put any hands up when I said kids. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the fact of the matter is, man, when, when, our grandkids, man, they, it brings us great joy talking about our grandkids, doesn't it? That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. You go ahead. I'm the best pappy in the world, Becker, but anyhow, other than that, all right, the fact of the matter is it brings joy. But listen to me. What about lifting up the Savior of your soul? What about talking about the one who redeemed you? What about lifting up the one who set you free? What about the one whose blood was shed for you? Oh, my goodness. What about the one that changed your life and transformed you from inside out? What about that one? Come on. You will have joy in your life when you lift him up. Can't help it. How about the power of God being manifested in your life? When the power of God is manifesting in your life, it brings you joy. When God supernaturally attends your life. Have you ever had a moment like that? I have. I'm not talking about just miracles of healing. But when his power, when he speaks to you and you know you had a rhema word from God. And you know it was God who spoke to you. And you know it was God. How many of you can, look, how many of you can think back in your life and think about 
the times that God has demonstrated himself to you. Hmm? And it brings joy. You see, and then the kingdom of God within you produces joy in your life. The Bible tells me the kingdom of God is inside of me. If the kingdom of God is inside of me, how many know joy has to be inside of me? Because joy is part of the culture of the kingdom. It's hard to not have joy when you have the kingdom of joy living inside of you. These principles. See, joy can come to our lives by applying the same principles that Philip applied for a city. I mean, no, you can apply these principles into your life. And if you will apply these principles into your life, your life will have joy. Joy comes from God's blessings in your life, right? Amen? Sure they do. But I want to talk to you for a few moments as I get ready to close in another, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40. That's first closing. But there's a joy that doesn't come from your effort. Aren't you glad? And there is a joy that does not come from, God, from God's hands. What I mean by that is the work of God. These people in Samaria had joy because Philip was a conduit that God worked through. Because of Philip's work and because of God's work, there was joy in a city. And there's times in your life where you have joy because you have applied those principles and it was the work of your hands that caused that to happen. But I want you to know this morning that there is a joy in your life that is not produced by the work of God's hands. There's a joy in your life that is not the result of favorable circumstances. There's a joy that doesn't come from miracles. There's a joy that does not come from changed circumstances. There is a joy that doesn't come from everything working out the way you wanted or the way that you planned. There is a joy that doesn't come out because everything is perfect. Amen? It's the kind of joy that the Apostle Paul said, I am overflowing with joy in all my afflictions. Overflowing? How many know you can only overflow if you're full? You can only overflow if you're full of something, right? He said, I'm overflowing with joy in the midst of my affliction. It's the kind of joy that Jesus said to his disciples, blessed are you when men hate you. How many know I'm blessed, all right? Be glad in that day and leap for joy. Everybody leap for joy. Okay, never mind. All right. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. And Jesus says, leap for joy. Have joy. But you don't understand. I'm being persecuted. Yes, he did. You see, it's that kind of joy that Ed, <laughs> I said to Ed when he comes down, I said, do you have any idea what I'm preaching on today with him? No. How many know Ed heard from God and he prayed according this morning exactly with what we're praying, preaching about today? He kept praying for the joy of the Lord. How many times he mentioned that the joy of the Lord will be your strength? You see, there is this joy that is produced, not produced by the work of your hands or God's hands, for there is a joy that simply comes from the Father's heart. I'm telling you this morning that there is a joy that God the Father says, here, you need this, take this, you need it, it'll be yours, it'll carry you through. 
Come on. How many of you fathers in the house? How many fathers in the house have you ever seen your situations of your children or a wife or somebody go through something that you could not fix, that you could not change, but you could put your arm around them and you could comfort them and you could encourage them and you could walk with them and you could put some of your joy into them. How many know that you can help their heart because of where your heart is? You can do that, I'm telling you. You see, what I want you to know is there's a, there's a, there, there is this joy that comes from God that you do nothing to get. You've done nothing to work it up. Nothing has changed because it's not the result of something. It's a state that is handed to you. It is a condition that is handed to you by God the Father. Nehemiah told the people, he said, this is not a day of weeping. This is not a day for sorrow. He said to them what? He said what? He said this, the joy of the Lord shall be your strength. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. What does that mean? I know what it means today. At least I think I have a better understanding. Is I believe that God takes it from his reservoir. This is here. You need this. The situation isn't joyful. The circumstance isn't joyful. It's not going to change. But here, I got something for you that I will carry you through. I got something. Let me share something from my heart to your heart. Let me give you something from my spirit to your spirit. Because how many of the Bible says that joy is the fruit, fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Listen to what what this. Now may the God of all hope, the who? God of all hope, fill you with all joy. Listen to me this morning. I, I got a God of hope who pours into me joy and peace in believing so that I can abound in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope, oops, there we go. The joy of the Lord that becomes your strength is a gift from his heart to your heart. Because you can't explain why it's there. You can't tell you how it's there. It's unexplainable. And all you can say is, it's there. And I don't know why, but thank you, Jesus. But thank you, Father. Do you think? I will promise you, it's an amazing thing when you hear people who are being martyred and you hear their family members saying, we consider it an honor and joy to be persecuted for Christ. Mm. And we get bent out of shape when we got to go to church in the rain. Listen, they have joy. They didn't have to have joy over the death of loved ones. They didn't have joy over persecution. Where does that joy come from? It comes from him. It comes from their spirit. See, hope. Because joy is not founded in just the present. How many know hope is founded in the future? It's founded in who he is. You see, hope is the anchor that causes you to have joy in the midst of the storm. Even going back to the scripture we mentioned not long ago, we mentioned last week, I think it was, or the week before, I'm sorry. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. We don't grieve as men without hope. We don't grieve as men as we have. We grieve, but we have hope. We grieve, but we have joy. We have sorrow, but we have joy. Why? Because it's anchored in who he is, and it's anchored in the future. 
It's not anchored in just the present. You, you see, it's the joy that becomes your strength when you're weak. It's the joy that becomes your strength when you're mourning. It's the joy that becomes, is in the midst of sorrow and you can't explain it. It's the joy that causes a person to embrace trials and tribulations and persecution for the cause of Christ. It's a joy that you can't explain, but it's there because it comes from God the Father. And no matter what happens, you are anchored because of the hope of God. And you have hope and you have joy because of the hope. You say, you weirdo, why'd you anchor yourself and tie yourself to that pulpit? Because this morning I want you to see that's hope. That's God. That's hope. And it is the anchor that keeps me from going off the edge. It is where I am anchored. It is where I am tethered. I am tethered to the joy of the Lord. I am tethered to the hope of God. I am tethered when I go through things and I want to walk off and I want to quit and I want to go off the edge and I want to be angry and I want to be mad all the time. I want to do that. But it's the hope through God. It's the hope that God pours into my life. It is his hope that gives me joy because I am tethered to it. And without being, and listen to me this morning, and it's not me tethering to him, it's him tethering to me. Come on. Oh, because let me tell you something. If my kid's going off a cliff, I'm tying a rope to him, and daddy ain't letting go. Come on. Come on. Oh, you can have joy today. But you, it's hard to have joy without hope. And where does my hope come from? It comes from him. And it becomes the anchor. And I shall not be moved. He surrounds me. He hems me in. When I want to do stupid things and I can't. Because I mean, know there's sometimes you want to do stupid things and you can't because he's got you tethered. I mean, you know, Every bad decision that you didn't make was because you didn't want to make it. It's because he didn't let you make it. Oh, I love my God. Come on, Troy. Everybody said, praise the Lord. I thought I'd knock this thing over. I guess I'm not as fat as I thought I was. <laughs> Come on. Do you got joy this morning? Is it based on circumstances and situations and conditions? Good. Because the fact of the matter is, joy in this, anchored in hope, joy in the city comes from joy in the hearts. And God wants to give you joy this morning, and I am done being on this leash. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. <laughs> Come on, stand up. Stand up. Joy. Some of you this morning, you've gone through some stuff. Some of you are going through some stuff. Some of you have gone through some stuff, and some of you will go through some stuff. How I many know stuff stinks? Hmm? Stuff hurts. Stuff wounds. Stuff leaves a mark. Stuff brings pain. Stuff can cause depression. And some people, stuff causes despondency. And God sees the stuff. And God didn't plan the stuff. Thank you, Jesus. But God has a joy that he wants to give to you 
that'll help you through this stuff. That'll carry you through this stuff. Trust me, you're not going to say, oh, I'm so glad that happened. <laughs> no, you're not. And you'd change some of it tomorrow if you could. But I'm telling you today, there's principles that you apply. There's things that God does that produces joy. But there's a gift he gives you from his heart. There's a gift he gives you from who he is. There is a gift he gives you that the Bible says is part of the fruit of the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, patience. If you don't have joy this morning, I want you to say, Father, give me your joy. Because like, some of you have been striving for it. Some of you have been striving for it. And, and trust me, apply all those principles. But there's a level, I'm telling you. There's a, there's a, there's a place. And there's a state that comes that is not a production of your works. And it is not a production of God's hands where he changed their circumstance. Because some of you know, a change from bad circumstances to favorable circumstances brings joy. But there are times when the circumstance doesn't change. And yet, I still have joy? How? Because my dad gave it to me. Because my father gave it to me. I have it because my hope is in him. And I'm anchored. I'm anchored. Not because I'm not letting go. I'm anchored because he's not letting go. My God is so good. My God is so good. So, Father, this morning, in this house, I pray that we as individuals would be like a Philip, that we, we would be conduits of your joy, conduits of your grace, conduits of your mercy, conduits of your power, conduits of the Word of God, conduits that lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result of being those conduits, you are glorified and you are lifted up and people come to know you and there's joy in our city. But oh, Father, I pray this morning for us as individuals that we would know the joy of the Lord. That we would know the joy of the Lord. That we would receive the joy of the Lord. That I pray this morning that right now by the name of Jesus Christ, that some people would wake up tomorrow morning and they would say, I have joy and I can't explain it. Yeah. I have joy and I can't explain it. What is wrong with me? I should be angry this morning, but I'm not. I should be despondent this morning, but I'm not. What is wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. Your father loves you. And your father's saying, I got what you need. Let me put this in your life and it'll become your strength to go through this. Come on, come on, let's do this together. Let's do this together this morning. Yeah, okay, I know, I'm weird, right? Yeah, that's right. But let's do it together. Come on, as a people of God, we would say, Father, Father I come to you this morning. My hope is in you. My hope is in you. Not my circumstances, not my situations, but in you. And fill me with your joy. Ha. Fill me with your joy. 
I am not Andre and I am not a prophet. But I say to you, by the name of Jesus Christ, that some of you, this week, you're going to experience something you haven't experienced before. You are going to experience something that you have not experienced before. I say to you this morning that some of you are going to experience something you have experienced before, but you haven't experienced it in a long time. And God is going to restore joy to you. And it's not going to be a work of your flesh. It's not going to be a work of your hands. It's not going to be a change of your circumstance. It's not going to be a change of your situation. It is not going to be anything other than your father saying, I love you. Here's what you need. And you're going to wake up and you're going to say, what is that? And then you're going to say, that's my father. And that's his joy.